Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Ready for this. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, featuring New York Sports Talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Got a good show for you this week. We're going to do a second podcast this week. We already did our NBA draft preview with Ben Pfeiffer earlier this week. Today, we're going to do our Week 11 NFL picks. We'll be joined by Troy Moriello, Dallas Cowboys fan, in just a minute. Be sure to lock into the end of the show this week's two-minute drill. We'll talk about the Giants. Can they win the NFC East? It's very possible. I mean... They got the big win over the Eagles last week. They're now three and seven, a game out of first. We'll break down the schedule to the Giants and Eagles, talk about what the Giants need to do, see if they can actually win this division. But we'll get it all started this week's opening tip. We're going to take a look at the NBA draft, see what happened there. Took a little look ahead to the offseason, to the Knicks and the Nets, right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. Here we go. All right, we are back here. Opening tip time, talking about the NBA offseason. And I got to admit, it's a lot of fun. I didn't think I would miss the offseason this much, but the stuff that's come out the first couple of days has just been so, so much fun. Like, take a look here, what's happening with the offseason. You can start out with all the crazies of the James Harden rumors because James Harden on the Rockets now, he wants out. He turned down $103 million over two years to basically say, I want to go to Brooklyn. The Rockets are ready to try and move Russell Westbrook. They've already flipped Trevor picks and assets for Trevor Ariza, and they're trying to blow it up. They want to keep James Harden there, but doesn't don't know if it'll work. And it's fun to see this kind of discussion with the Nets, who I don't think should make this trade, by the way. They have a nice roster there built up of Durant, Irving, and the capable of role players they have, like Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, that crew. A lot of those guys are going to disappear if you have to trade them all to use it for James Harden, along with some draft picks. And you're going all in, in my opinion, the philosophy of here are three ball-dominant players who have to share one basketball on one team, and there's already probably a chemistry issue because Kyrie's probably not going to be a fan of James Harden coming while Durant is. It's an interesting situation there. You can also make the argument, hey, it's the NBA. You build up the stars. You get uh, vets to play roles on cheap deals, fill the roster out. Like maybe you bring in Wes Matthews. Maybe you surge it back on the mid-level. Like There are options there, but I think the Nets, it's a tough spot to play in. You don't want to give up a, all your capital for one thing and then basically have to win a championship in two years or the whole thing blows up. It's a risky move. That's probably going to linger for a while. One thing, not Larry and the Bucks, they did mortgage their future basically to land Drew Holiday. They sent a couple of players and three draft picks plus two pick swaps to New Orleans to land Holiday to give a better point guard for John Tontacumbo, who's a free agent after the year. And obviously, if you're the Bucks, if this is the move that gets John to sign the Supermax, it makes all the sense in the world. But at the same time, like, if it doesn't work, and let's say John leaves, 
you're gonna have a lot of issues trying to figure out this this roster here because this could have a net Celtics KD Paul Pierce trade disaster written all over it. That's gonna be fun. Some storylines track the offseason. Russell Westbrook might also get moved. Chris Paul got traded to the Suns. It's a good move for Phoenix because they need a veteran point guard there, and they played so well in the bubble. Now's a good time to build on and try and make a run of the playoffs with Devin Booker there because he's not going to stay happy forever. Let's get to the draft because interesting stuff came out last night because Anthony Edwards goes number one to Minnesota, and the talent's there. You know he can score the basketball. Not a great defender. The thing that worries you if you're a Minnesota fan is that some of these comments that came out about how he doesn't love basketball and how he just isn't a big fan of watching basketball, he just does it because he's good at it. Like, it's hard to see the real superstar in any sport who does not love the game of basketball. Like, LeBron James is obsessed with basketball. Kobe Bryant was obsessed with basketball. If Anthony Edwards is not super into basketball, that's a worrying sign for you because you're going to wonder what's going on there with him. That's number one. Warriors take James Wiseman, too. No shock there. Lamella Ball goes three, no shock there. And then the draft starts to get fun. Patrick Williams going at four really shook the board up and really set the stage that Knicks have a choice of guys they wanted at number eight with Obi Toppin, Kyrie's Halliburton both there. People they've been linked to, they end up taking Obi Toppin at eight. And we heard Ben Pfeiffer talk about Obi Toppin on the podcast earlier this week. He's a great offensive caliber player. He can do a lot of things in the NBA. Should be able to contribute right away. And you figure, okay, he'll be one of your long-term offensive fixtures next to R.J. Barrett, if all goes according to plan. Maybe he wins Rookie of the Year. He's not a strong rookie class. He's going to come in and have a chance to have a role and be productive right away. But you worry about him defensively because he's not the greatest defender. He's not very quick laterally. He's going to need help on defending pick and rolls. Mitchell Robson is a great defensive big man, but you're going to need a lot of help to get him be functional in the starting lineup. The other thing you have to worry about here is like, how are you going to find him minutes? Because this team is still stacked with bigs. You have, obviously, Julius Randle guaranteed for this year. You have Taj Gibson on the roster. There's so many bigs on here that's you got to have to buy minutes for Obi Toppin. And, and I don't know how you're doing that just yet. I like the pick. I like that they have to trade up for because there are rumors about that happening. But that's one thing that worries me. Is like, you got to find the fit for him and got to find a way to play around his defense. Other interesting stuff here. The Nets did not make a first-round pick. They traded their pick in number 19. They traded it to the, a three-way deal with the Clippers and the Pistons. The Clippers got Luke Kennard in the deal. Good job getting an outside shooter for the Clippers. The Nets landed Landry Shamet in the trade, which good, good utility player, good versatile role player put next to your stars. They made a similar deal where they traded for Bruce Brown. They traded away Zanon Musa in a second-round pick. They are getting the kinds of role players you need around a championship caliber team. But the question is, like, are you re-signing Joe Harris? Is the Harden deal happening? Because obviously you're, tra- you're trading for Shamet and Bruce Brown. You're giving yourself options that, okay, we can trade away guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and get- I still have a functional rotation. They're giving themselves chances there. But you also use a second-round pick. They bought one, and they drafted Reggie Perry out of Mississippi, at Mississippi State. A uh, good backup big opportunities there. The Knicks had one more pick. They did a little bit of interesting wizardry early in the day. They took the 27th pick, the 38th pick, their late first they got from the Clippers in the, Mar- the Marcus Morris trade, and the second rounder they had 
Trade him up to Utah for number 23. You figure, okay, we need, we need to package our picks 23 and 8 to go up and get Obi Top, and that didn't happen. So they're sitting there at 23 thinking, okay, what do we do? They end up flipping to the Timberwolves. They gain numbers 25 and 33 in the deal. So basically, they took two worst picks and got better in each round, which is pretty impressive. Good job, Brock Holler, on that. They trade the rights for Leandro Valmaro, who Ben Pfeiffer liked as a graph and staff kind of guy. 25 to take Emmanuel quickly, the guard out of Kentucky. That should not be a shock to anybody. They have big Kentucky ties at World Wide West. They had Kenny Payne, the former Kentucky assistant on the staff. And quickly, he's going to have a chance to basically show why he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Did not live up to the hype at Kentucky, but maybe he's a better pro. That's something you hope to see there. Next last Kentucky pick did not go very well in Kevin Knox, but we'll see if that changes. 33, they drafted Daniel Otero, traded him away. And they got a future second-round pick. Eh, nothing happened there. But I think not as sexy a draft we're used to. There weren't these big, earth-shattering trades that happen during a draft we usually get. A lot of that happened beforehand because a lot of teams sort of had the itchy trigger fingers prior to the offseason because usually we have, like, the NBA Finals. And then four days later, we're doing the draft, and everybody starts making moves. Back we had, you know, Monday was really the big trade day where everything started getting moving at Monday night after the moratorium was lifted. A lot of good stuff going on there. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But up next, we'll do our NFL picks with Troy Moriello right after this. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number 11 are here. Join me today, another Dallas Cowboys fan who's no doubt disappointed by how his year has gone. Troy Moriello is back. Troy, how are you? I'm hanging there, Mike. I could be having a better football season, but besides that, if that's my biggest concern, then I'm, I'm, I'm being, doing pretty okay. Well, your football season is better than mine. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Only by two games, though. But, but, but yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have a better April than you will, but I think right now your football season has more of a shot than mine does. That's not saying much. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one difference. Is you, you have Trevor Lawrence probably coming to you. So, you know, in, in a couple months, come see me. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see you in a couple months. But right now, obviously, let's talk about the Cowboys. And we know they're 2-7. and seven. We know that Dak Prescott's out for the year. But what else really has gone wrong for this team? Why they're so bad? Yeah, I mean, it's just been the injuries, man. You know, the offensive line, everyone looks at the injury to Dak, and that, that obviously killed them. That really killed any chances that they were going to have at actually competing. But you look at the offensive line, too. I mean, with these quarterbacks that they've been putting out there, They've really given them no chance. They've had they've had so much issues on the offensive line. Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, obviously they lost Travis Frederick, even Zach Martin missed a couple of games. They're starting guys who I don't even know who they are on their offensive line right now. And you know as well as anyone. I mean, if you don't have a good offensive line, if you're going to struggle in the NFL. So it's really been the injuries. And the defense has just been not consistent enough. The first seven weeks of the season, this is a historically bad defense. One of the worst defenses really in NFL history. They've, they've come around the last two weeks, obviously, but when you have Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert starting a quarterback for you, it's a little bit tougher to win games, especially when you're trying to play someone like the Steelers two weeks ago. So it's been it's been the injuries, obviously, and it's just been the defense. You know, the injuries on defense obviously have played a factor as well. Hopefully the defense can kind of turn the corner here if, if you want them to make a playoff run or a run for the division at least. Um, but, yeah, it's really been the injuries in the defense outside of Prescott. 
Yeah, it definitely is the case. And I feel like there's also a lot of like anger going out there about Mike McCarthy, who has not been as well received as we thought he would be. So as somebody who's watched this team game in and game out, are you disappointed in the Mike McCarthy era so far? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, you know, pandemic, if if this was no pandemic uh, season, I think we would really seriously be talking about him actually being on the hot seat, even with the Prescott injury, you know, because before that injury, they were still two and three, uh, really one and three, and then they win the game with Dalton at the end there against the Giants, two and three. This is a team that had Super Bowl expectations. I know that the injuries have been crazy, but his coaching has just not been good. Some of the decisions that he's made, I have been screaming at the television. You can ask my father, screaming at the television for some of the coaching decisions that he's made down the stretch. You know, fake puns. I know the play calls aren't totally on him, but the offensive game plan is certainly uh, this guy. You know, we heard that he whatever he took a year away from football to to study tape or whatever. And I'm starting to think that was all just a lie to to get the job, and that he was kind of lying to Jerry Jones about all of that. And you know, we've heard that he's already kind of lost the locker room as well a couple of weeks ago or about a month ago. Yeah, that whole thing just doesn't seem like he's been the right fit so far. Like I said, I think that the pandemic is going to kind of save him because he didn't really have a real off season and obviously the injury to Prescott kind of gives him the year as well. But, you know, this time next year, if, if we're kind of looking at the same thing, I think he could be on the hot seat around his way out because frankly, it feels just like it did a year ago with Jason Garrett with this team. The odd thing about that is obviously like Jason Garrett, much as Cowboys fans hate him, Jerry Jones gave him almost a decade to get the job done. I find it hard to believe that all of a sudden like two and done for Mike McCarthy after that because he gave him a boatload of money. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, but, you know, this guy, they, they brought him in to be, I don't want to say the savior, but to really turn things around. And I think we had a lot of hope going in that finally we had a real head coach. We just went through a decade of this, well, wondering if this guy was actually fit for the job in Jason Garrett. I wonder if they're going to do that again, you know, you know, give this guy five years of leeway to say, hey, let's, let's see if we can figure it out. Especially the guy like McCarthy, who we've seen he had his struggles in Green Bay the last couple of years there with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So I'm curious about that. I mean, like I said, there's, there's not going to be any changes this year. So, I mean, we, we'll probably still be having this conversation next year. But, yeah, he, he's been a disappointment so far, to say the least. Yeah, he definitely has. But we are going to look ahead this week because thanks to their miserable division, they somehow are still only about a game and a half out of first place. They play the Vikings this week. The Vikings are red hot. They've won three in a row. What do you think the keys are for them to try win this game? Because I think they have to or keep their hopes alive. Yeah, frankly, I mean, it's a must-win game, but if you, if you look at Cowboys fans, really, I think they're, they're kind of torn on if they even want to win this game or win this division, honestly. you know, Do you, do you want to win five or six games, win the division, and then get blown out in the first round of the playoffs against like the Seahawks, the Rams, or the Cardinals or someone? Or do you want to lose 13 games and, and try to get a top-five pick? Frankly, I'd rather just lose at this point, but I also don't want to see the Giants or the Eagles win the division, so... If they're going to win the division, they obviously have to win this game, like you said. It all comes down to stopping the run. Um, we know that the Vikings are going to run the ball, you know, 25, 30 times with Dalvin Cook. What defense are we going to see from the Cowboys? Are we going to see the defense two weeks ago that really shut down the Steelers' rushing attack and really dominated that game uh, up front? Or are we going to see the defense that, like I said, the first seven weeks of the season was one of the worst in the NFL? especially against the run, where you look at a guy like Antonio Gibson running for 150 yards on them, Kenyon Drake one running for 150 yards on them. What kind of defense are we going to see? Are they going to be able to stop the run, or is Dalvin Cook going to put up a 200-yard game? And that's, that's really the main thing, but if that did happen, I would not be the most upset fan in the world if they went out there and they lost this game and they finished 13. 
Yeah, it's also interesting to look at the number of this game. Neither, I don't think either of us took it this week, but the Vikings are seven and a half point favorites in that contest against the Cowboys. And I mean, Dallas covered for the first time all year back in week nine against the Steelers, and then they were big <laughs> underdogs there. So I'm not sure I think they're going to cover here. I do think I'm not a big fan of the Dalton era because he did not look good even he was healthy. No, yeah, you could, you could really make the argument that two weeks ago, uh, Garrett Gilbert looked better than Andy Dalton did. And I know, obviously, Dalton only had that one start uh, in Washington or two starts actually in Arizona and then in Washington. But he looked terrible in both of those games. Obviously, he had no time to throw, like I mentioned, with that offensive line. But still, he didn't look that good. Garrett Gilbert against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in football in Pittsburgh, uh, he looked decent a couple weeks ago. So you can make the argument that Gilbert would give them a better start, a better chance to actually win this game. But we'll see. You know, Like I said, a loss wouldn't, wouldn't kill me this season. Yeah, let's go to the picks. This is also why you're here. Uh, last week, my buddy Dan Martini was here for talking about the Colts. He went one and two on the week. He had the Dolphins laying two and a half against the Dem- against the uh, I forget which team it was, but they weren't. Oh, it was against the Chargers. They won that game yeah. easily. So he mm-hmm. so he so he won that one. He had the Seahawks plus two. They got beaten up by the Rams. That did not work. Just let the Bears getting the points on Monday night. I don't think after that anybody will take the Bears again this year. <laughs> So I went two and one last week. Got a pair of wins in the NFC South. I had the Bucks laying the four and a half against the Panthers. They won easily. I had the Saints laying the nine and a half against the 49ers. That one was a little closer than I wanted because it was Drew Brees got hurt, but James Winston got the job done. My one loss, I had the Broncos get getting the five and a half against the Raiders, and they got themselves blown out of that game. And I'm really annoyed at the Broncos right now. <laughs> well, then you won't like one of my picks coming up. <laughs> yeah, so let's get to the picks challenge on the year. Team challenge is 16, 13, and 1. I'm 21 and 9 on the year. I've been on fire since the start. Uh, I've been I've been seeing the league well this year. I have a good view vantage point since my team stinks. I can keep bear on everybody else. Nice. Yeah, 21 and 9. That's pretty freaking good, man. Yeah, I've been I've been red hot. We'll see if we can keep it going this week. But Troy, as the guest, you may go first. So where are you going with your first pick? All right, my first pick, uh, I'm going to take a team that you took last week. I'm going to take the Saints playing four and a half against the Falcons. Um, I just don't think the Falcons are very good. And I think that, you know, even with Jameis Winston at quarterback, I think that they'll figure something out. They'll figure out a game plan to get him comfortable, uh, to keep him from turning the ball over, hopefully. He still has Alvin Kamara in that backfield that he can check down to and he can do the handball off to the season. I don't think the Falcons are very good. I think that, you know, even with Jameis Winston at quarterback, the Saints are a touchdown better than Atlanta, especially at home. Uh, so give me the Saints land four and a half against the Falcons with my first pick. Yeah, this one I wouldn't touch because I'm very concerned about what the Saints look like without a Drew Brees. Because Winston himself is a turnover machine, and this is a team last year, the Falcons, a bad team, went into New Orleans, beat the Saints with Brees healthy. So this is one I'm going to stay away from, but I understand the logic of your pick. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Where are you going to pick two? All right, pick two. I'm going to take another favorite at home. I'm going to take the Browns minus three against the Eagles. Uh, same thing. I just the Eagles last week. I uh, was rooting for them against the Giants. Actually, I did not want to see the Giants win that game. Uh, they laid an egg in that game, and I I look at this Eagles schedule. I think that there's a real chance for them to just kind of fall apart. You look at some of the games that they have coming up. Uh, Carson Wentz has just been brutal this season. Um, it's amazing that we ever had a debate about Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott from a, from a Cowboys fan. Um, and I think that the Browns are a really good team. I think that getting Nick Chubb back, they have two guys that can really run the ball. You saw that they both ran for 100 yards, Chubb and Kareem Hunt. 
uh, last week. I think that they'll control this game. I think that it's, it's a weird line, only being favored by three at home against a, a bad Eagles team. Um, so give me the Browns, find a three at home against the Eagles. Yeah, I like this pick as well because I know the Browns are not great, but they are a very good bully team with a beat-up bad teams. And they at home, but they're going to be a very good shot here. They're going to run the ball. They control the clock. Their defense will play well. I think it's about a touchdown win for the Browns. I like that pick there. Where are you going with number three? Yeah, my third and final pick, I'm going to kind of take a shot here. I'm going to take the Broncos getting three and a half at home against the Dolphins. I don't have a whole lot of logic with this one. I think that the Dolphins are a really good team. I think that they're a playoff caliber team. You look at their schedule coming up, they play the Jets, and then they play the Bengals after this. I don't see them going 9-3, to be honest with you. I think they're going to trip up somewhere, and I don't think that they're going to trip up against the Jets, obviously. And I don't think they're going to trip up at home against the Bengals. Going on the road to Denver, obviously, in the altitude. No fans, but still, uh, I don't know, young quarterback going on the road in a, in a relatively tough environment. I'll take the Broncos, like you said. They, they were such a letdown last week. But this is kind of one of those like weird NFL games that comes out of nowhere where the Broncos either win outright or lose on like a last-second field goal or something like that. So from getting three-and-a-half points at home, I'm going to take the Broncos here reluctantly, but I'm going to take the Broncos. Yeah, I'm no fan of the Broncos. I don't think Drew Locke's a very good quarterback, but the hook here is nice. I will give you that. This could be a game, like you said, like where Denver just shows up, plays very well, and loses at the gun by a field goal. So the hook makes it a lot better, but it's the one I would stay away from. Yeah, absolutely. If it gets under that three, I would, I would probably not do it, but three and a half, I like it. All right, let's go to my picks now. Pick number one. I'm going to take a revenge game here. I think the Chiefs laying six and a half on Sunday Night Football against the Raiders in Vegas. And the Raiders did beat them once this year. They beat them on Arrowhead. They won 40 to 32 back in week five. This is a game also where they celebrate after the game. They took Joy Rise in the parking lot going around the stadium. Andy Reid and the Chiefs noticed they're pissed off. Patrick Mahomes playing at MVP level. 25 tees, one pick. This is a big revenge game here. I'm laying less than a touchdown. I'll take the, I'll take the Chiefs here. Lay the six and a half points. They're going to run away with this game. Pick one. I think so, too. I think that they'll, that they'll control this game. And I think, like you said, it's a revenge game for them. It's Patrick Mahomes in prime time. I like that pick a lot. That's pick number one. Pick number two, I'm going to go back to the formula picking against the Jets. I'm going to take the Chargers laying the eight and a half points at home against them. And the Jets, I know they play well out prior to the bye. Joe Flacco started again. He had his best game, but the Chargers are a much better defensive team than the Patriots are. They have pass rushers that will get in Joe Flacco's face, make things difficult. And the Jets are a god-awful road team. They've lost all four of the road games here by an average of 22.2 points per game. I'm laying eight and a half with the Chargers. I think they will win by double days. I give the Chargers pick two. Yeah, I was going to say, anytime that you can bet against the Jets, especially when they're on the road, I would do it only eight and a half points, like you said. Uh, I like that pick as well, taking the Chargers. Yeah, I wasn't sure about it at first. I look at the numbers. I see they're losing by 22.2 on the road. I'm like, this is a no-brainer. This is a gimme. They're not going to win mm -hmm. the road game all year. Yeah, they haven't even been close to any of these road games. They have not. Pick number three. I'm going to take a dog here, an unconventional dog. I'm taking the Packers getting two and a half in Indy against the Colts. And this is one where I just can't resist having Aaron Rodgers an underdog in a game you can win outright. Because I feel like this line shifted drastically after they played a leg against the Jaguars last week. This is a game where the Packers basically threw their houses out in the field and said, okay, we can win this game. We don't need to try hard. They're going to learn their lesson. They're going to come out and play very well against the Colts, who I don't think, frankly, are very good. The special teams are a big reason why they won against Tennessee. They haven't really beaten anybody of note all season long besides the Titans. And I think this team is going to have trouble scoring points. And I think this is a game Green Bay comes out, makes a statement here, wins by double digits. Give me the Packers getting points on the road game week three. Yeah, you read my mind there. That was actually going to be one of my picks before I changed it. Um, 
I, yeah, I think that the Packers are going to win this game outright, to be honest with you. And I don't think that the culture is that good. I think that they're a good team. They're probably a playoff team. But like you said, they won that game mostly with their special teams last week against the Titans. I don't think the Titans are that good either when you look at what they've done the last couple of weeks. So uh, anytime you can get Aaron Rodgers as an underdog in a game that he, can win, that he could win outright, like you mentioned, I would take it. I was, I was going to take that one as well, so I really like it. Yeah, so to reset the pick for the week, Troy has gone with the Saints laying four and a half against the Falcons with James Winston at quarterback. The Browns laying three at home against the Eagles. The Broncos three and a half point home dogs against the Dolphins. My picks of the week, the Chiefs laying six and a half against the Raiders in Vegas on Sunday night. The Chargers laying eight and a half against the Jets at home. And the Packers laying, actually getting two and a half in Indianapolis against the Colts. Those are your picks for week number 11 on the podcast. And speaking of the Packers, next week, our Thanksgiving week picks, Joe D'Alvizio will be on the line. We're going to be talking Green Bay Packer football. They got a fun game next Sunday night against the Bears. Oh, yes, that's right. That is a big big game for the Bears as well. They got to they gotta figure something out for the, for the Chicago Bears. After starting 5-1 five and one now, 5-5, five and five, yeah. they got to figure something out. Yeah, I think the Bears might switch quarterbacks. I think they might go back to Trubisky after the bye. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, what was Trubisky? I think he was three and one or something as a starter. Yeah. He wasn't. I mean, he wasn't terrible. They were winning games at least. They were winning games, but like he's not the long term answer. I think they have to try no. something to save their season. Absolutely. Yeah. Neither one of those guys is going to be the answer. They got to. They got to draft a quarterback or figure something else out. Yeah, absolutely, Troy. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how can people find on social media and keep up with some of the stuff you're up to? Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Troy Moriello. That's T-R-O-Y-M-A-U-R-I-E-L-L-O. Um, I got my St. John's podcast that I always like to, to talk about on here. I know you've had me on to talk about the Red Storm a couple of times. Uh, we're doing a new episode. we got a new season coming up uh, starting next week, obviously, college basketball. So very excited about that. You can check that out on my Twitter. And um, I always appreciate you having me on, Mike. It's always a pleasure. No problem. I got to say, it's going to be fun talking college basketball this season. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens because this is going to be a very unconventional year. Oh, it's going to be so weird. There's going to be a lot, of, like college football, there's going to be a lot of games canceled and a lot of re- reshuffling, you know, a lot of weird things going on. But but like, like you said, just to be able to talk about college basketball and watch college basketball for the first time in, in really eight-plus months, it's going to be really, really fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, give me the, give me the quick uh, tease here. What's the Red Storm look like this year? I think they got a shot to be a tournament team, to be honest with you. I, I don't know if they're going to – they definitely won't be a top 25 team or anything like that. They'll probably be lower half of the Big East. But they got a lot of guys that can score the basketball. They're not reliant on one guy or even two guys. They're very, very deep. You need to be deep in the Big East. Obviously, the Big East is going to send six or seven teams to the tournament again. I think that they have a shot to be that sixth or that seventeen from the conference that gets into the tournament. And then we'll see what happens. But – Definitely, definitely confident about this team going into this season. Yeah, I think two things that might be in work against them a bit. I think it might be one year away, in my opinion. Number one, I think losing LJ Figueroa to Oregon was a big blow because he would have been a huge factor on this team this year. And also, I think UConn coming back in the league, and they had two tougher games onto the St. John's schedule. Oh, yeah, and their big East opener on December 11th is against UConn. So uh, I'm happy to have UConn back, but obviously, like you said, it makes the conference just that much tougher now, uh, especially at the top half with the way that it's that Hurley's been recruiting there. Um, having UConn back, it's, it's welcome, but it also makes things a lot more difficult. All right, Troy, thanks again. Up next, we're going to go to the two-minute drone. We'll talk about what the chances are of actually winning the NFC East right after this. The two-minute drill. All 
right, two-minute drill time here on the podcast, and we're talking about the New York Giants this week, and good week to be off for the Giants. Coming off a win against the Eagles, they go to 3-7, and seven. and a regular year may not mean much, but in the 2020 NFC East, they are just a game out of first place. One game. You count the fact that the Eagles have the tie in there. Now, some things to like here if you're a Giant fan. Defense is playing very well. They have done a good job shutting down opponents most of the year. There are a couple exceptions, but they have been in every game. Daniel Jones has played much more efficient football the last two games, and look what's happened. The Giants have won two games. The Giants' division is eminently winnable. The Eagles are on top right now at 3-5-1. Dallas and Washington are both 2-7. That's good news if you're the Giants. The bad news is, if you're a Giant fan, they've already played five of their six division games. All three of their wins are against the NFCs. They are 3-2 and two in the division. They are 0-5 against the rest of the league. The only division game they have left is Week 17 home against Dallas. Five more games outside the division. Let's take a look at the Giants' schedule right now. Actually, let's start with the Eagles' schedule first. The Eagles are playing this week. The Giants are not, so the Eagles have a game in hand. This week, they go to Cleveland, take on the Browns. They host Seattle on Monday night in Week 12. They play at Green Bay Week 13, host the Saints Week 14, Drew Brees' stats, that game could be a question mark. Could be James Wins under center there. At the Cardinals, week 15. At Dallas, week 16. And hosting the Washington football team, week 17. Now, you figure Eagles are a talented football team. They got some weapons coming back. They have a decent home road split here. But the schedule is tricky. Let's say for argument's sake, they go 3-4 and four here, which I think is fair. That puts them at 6, 9, and 1. And this is where the tie in week 2 that Chip, that uh, Doug Peterson decided to go for there is going to come in critical because the Giants have these six games left. They go to Cincinnati next week. They go to Seattle the week after that. Then they host Arizona and Cleveland. They go to Baltimore the Sunday after Christmas. They end the year hosting the Cowboys. If you split those games 3-3, three and three, that's not good enough. Because they go 6-10. and 10. Then the tie for the Eagles comes in massive advantage here because the Eagles win the division 6-9-1. That's not good enough. And that, if you're a Giant fan, you're there, you regret the game you gave away to the Chicago Bears in Week 2. The first Eagle game was going to come back to be a killer considering they were up big in that game and then gave it up. And the game is the Bucks on Monday night when they were in that game most of the way, had chances to win. Daniel just made a couple of poor decisions that cost them dearly. The Giants right now, let's assume they have to get to 7-9. and nine. If the Eagles, that's this is if the Eagles just play 3-4 and four football. If they do better than that, the Giants have to basically run the table. But let's focus on this scenario here. The Giants have to go 4-2 and two for the last six games to get to 7-9 and nine and beat out the Eagles 6-9-1. and one. You figure, okay, they beat the Bengals because the Bengals are not playing very well. They have the extra week to prepare. That'll help. That's a win. You figure you're going to Seattle, you're losing. Russell Wilson is much better offensive quarterback than they've seen in a couple of weeks. They're going to lose that game. Let's be, let's be real. The stretch here that's going to determine their season is this Arizona-Cleveland homestand the following two weeks. If you sweep those games, and I think they're both winnable games at home for the Giants, you sweep those games, you have a little wiggle room because you can still lose a game to the Ravens on the road, beat the Cowboys, go 7-9, and nine, get the job done. If you split, you have to beat the Ravens on the road. And I don't care how bad Lamar Jackson's looked this year, that's still a very tough task for the Giants to do. 
And if they lose both those games at home, they're done. Because you need at least seven wins to win this division, in my opinion. Now, is this scenario very likely? No, I wouldn't say particularly likely. I'd say it's more because the Giants go two and four than four and two. The good thing, though, is that they are a lot. And that's something the Giants have not had in recent years. You can blame the division, and it's certainly a big factor why they're alive, but for once, the Giants are getting to December playing meaningful football games. That's something the Jets have not had in five years. That's something the Giants haven't had since 2016. This is an awful division. They are going to take advantage of it. We'll see if they can capitalize on that opportunity. That's all I'm going to do for this week's second show. I want to thank Troy Moriello for hopping on to do the Week 11 NFL Picks. If you want more stuff like this podcast, including my thoughts on the NHL next season, where we're going from that, check out the blog over at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify, and Amazon as well. Simply search for Just End the Suffering on any of those platforms. You can find all the episodes there, including our earlier chat this week where we previewed the NBA draft with Ben Pfeiffer and did our Mandalorian weekly recap. You can also go to my YouTube page, Mike Phillips, on YouTube for more individual conversations from the episodes. Our conversation with Troy doing the picks will be up there in just a bit. Feel free to leave your feedback and star as well to help make this podcast even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-331. And coming up next week on the podcast, we're going to do a little college basketball, get ready for the start of the season there, do some NFL picks and more. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Bills fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.